I'm spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Welcome to a new spin on autism. Answers with host and international speaker and performer, Lynette Louise. Besides working on her doctorate in psychophysiology, Lynette has raised eight children, six adopted, and four of them falling somewhere on the autism spectrum. Laugh with her, cry with her, as she talks to both experts and parents and takes you through the often confusing, sometimes frustrating, sometimes overwhelming, but always fascinating world of autism. Hello and welcome. This is a new spin on autism. Answers. I am the Brain Broad, otherwise known as my real name, Lynette Louise, your story teacher host. And today we're going to talk about teeth. And we're not going to talk about that time I lost a tooth. We're going to talk about keeping your teeth. Remember to stay to the very end of the show because that's when we have the very coolest part stories from the road. Well, I'm going to wind up the whole show and try to make some sense out of it by throwing a little story in at the end. And, of course, there's, okay, 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 the great guest giveaway, just before we get to that. So make sure you stay for every single bit of it. It's going to be jam-packed and lots of fun. Um, and we need a question, and we absolutely do. We cannot find an answer if we don't have a question. So today's question is going to be, should you go to the dentist? Or maybe, when should you go to the dentist? Or how do you pick your dentist? Oh, my gosh, maybe our guest of the day will help me decide which of those questions is paramount and most important. So today's guest is real special to me because I already love her. Um, I recently worked with her family, and one of her children um, has some challenges. So that makes her our best friend, right? She's dealing with the same stuff we are, except all their, you know, she has six kids and all their teeth are really in good shape. So I'm sure she knows what she's doing. She's a dentist. Her name is Dr. Wu Sigliano. I hope I said it right. It's like a real mouthful. Um, and her patients call her Dr. Lucy. So hi, Lucy. How are you? And thank you so much for being here. Great. It's a pleasure to be with you, Lynette. And you did great with my name. Oh, yay. Okay. So where are you located? I am in Connecticut in a small town by the name of Mansfield. It's uh, where the University of Connecticut Huskies basketball team is from. So most people have not heard of Mansfield, Connecticut until they hear about the Huskies. So if everybody loves you a lot, you know, they're all going to start flying in with their children. So get ready. Uh, I'm ready. (laughs) Either that or you can give them some good tips that they can take with them to their own dentist. So let's start there. Yeah, so let's start there. What, for you personally, what is your um, sort of biggest uh, point that you want to make or the soapbox you want to stand on when you think about the issues for parents dealing with bringing their kids in that are special needs? You know, what would you like to tell them right off the top? Well, I think from the beginning, when you realize that you have a special needs child, you're looking for answers and you want to prevent problems. So just as in dentistry, we want to prevent any problems and make the visits fun. So the American Academy of Pediatrics and the American Academy of Pediatric Dentistry recommend that a child's first visit be by the age of one. And the purpose of that visit is primarily for educating the parents. It's answering the questions that parents may have and teaching them all about the teeth, how to take care of them, their diet, 
just prevention. Okay, 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 okay. So I have eight kids, you have six. So you think that, because I'm certain I never took my kids to the dentist that early. Uh, so that's kind of a surprise to me. Why so early? Why do you feel the, that the parents would be so lacking in awareness that they would need to be educated before the kids have teeth? It's the same reasons why you would bring your kid to the pediatrician. You're doing that for preventive care and also to learn. You're not waiting for your child to have an illness before you go to the pediatrician. So as a pediatric dentist, we are often referred to as a pediatrician for the mouth. So when you go to the pediatrician for your child, many times it's to gain information that you don't already know. So the saying is, you don't know what you don't know is perfect for pediatric dentistry. A lot of times when first-time parents come in, we talk about how carbohydrates are really bad for your teeth. And most jaws drop because they've never heard of that. They've never realized that, you know, crackers and chips are just as bad for their child's teeth as candy is. We're just giving knowledge and tools for the parents to help their kids for their lifetime of healthy teeth. Couldn't you do, I don't know if this has ever been done, but it just occurred to me maybe there could be like sort of group gatherings where people become in formed when they're, you know how you go to like Lamaze classes when you're pregnant and you go to these different things. Do dentists ever go in and talk to moms, moms-to-be and tell them then? We do. We usually have um, preventive classes for prenatal groups or preschool groups. Okay, so what kind of stuff, or the, the carb thing, what would that include, say, um, a bottle with apple juice every day where the kids are sucking on apple juice all the time. Would that be considered bad for the teeth or not a problem? Well, all juices have natural sugars, and I never recommend juices unless um, the pediatrician recommends it for the calories, but there is no nutritional value to the juices, so we try to stick with the water um, and the milk. Okay, I'm sure you already shocked everybody. Say, say that again about no nutritional. Do you know how many people think they're giving great nutrition to their child when they give them juices? You want, you want to explain that? Well, it's not giving us anything but simple sugars in our juices. You know, we don't recommend juices as um, like a food. Wow, that's very cool. I think already you just got a bunch of people getting off their notepads. Okay, what else? What else do you see people be surprised to find out? I think a lot of the times it's the crackers and the chips. They think that if they, you know, give the goldfish crackers, which many parents do because it's an easy snack. It doesn't have to be refrigerated. There's no prep. You know, you have it in the car. You have it in your diaper bag. Your kids are fussy. You know, you grab that easy go-to snack. But the goldfish, the pretzels, the saltines, um, once you eat them, it turns into a simple sugar and a, that your body processes. That's how your body uses it. So for your body, it's okay, but once it remains in your mouth, the bacteria in your mouth use that as nutrition, and it causes plaque and acid starts to form. 
Now, can you get that sort of, can you get actual dental problems before your teeth erupt? No, you need three things to have a cavity. You need the, the bacteria, you need the teeth, and you need the food for the bacteria. So you need all three of those items for a bacteria to cause cavities. So for an infant who does not have teeth, you know, usually the first tooth comes in by age six months. If that infant is eating candy and, you know, junk food and having juice and milk and has never um, been brushed, there's no cavities because there's no teeth. Um, for the adults that we all have heard that, you know, I have strong teeth, those people are probably have really low risk for the bacteria or have none. So if they have the teeth, have the, the food for the bacteria, but they don't have the bacteria, they'll never have a cavity. And usually that bacteria, there's a, there's a window of infectivity we refer to. Usually by 19 months to 31 months is that window, and when you get that bacteria, you have it for life. And once you have that bacteria, the only thing you can do is decrease the amount you have. So if you don't feed the bacteria, that's one way to decrease it. If you um, eat food, you want to remove that food source as quickly as possible. So again, starving that bacteria, if you will. That's what we do to decrease our risk. That's so interesting because my son, uh, the one that's still quite disabled and lives at home, has never had a cavity, and he's the worst toothbrusher. <laughs> I'm always like, okay, there are no cavities, but they're very stained in the very front. And um, now you've just explained why. That's very interesting. So he probably doesn't have the bacteria, right? Right. Lucky him. Okay, so now I've heard of people that brush the infant's gums, and I've also heard of people doing fluoride treatments on the infant's gums. Talk to me about that. Okay. So brushing the infant's gums is more of just um, getting the baby used to manipulation in the mouth. So... It's great as a start to get your fingers in the mouth, the toothbrush in the mouth, and just removing that bacteria. Um, and then as far as the fluoride treatment, the recommendation is that you get your water tested first for fluoride to see if there's any naturally occurring fluoride. Um, some municipal water sources add fluoride to their water. Um, and there's also naturally occurring fluoride in well water. So the recommendation is one part per million. And you, it's usually tested by a water company. I'm not really sure where, you know, your, um, your listeners are from, but that's one thing they want to look into. Where is their water source coming from? So well, I know there's a lot of conjecture about fluoride. There's a, there's a whole lot of my listeners would say, I will never get my job fluoride. And then there's a whole lot will say, oh, okay, well, we have to make sure they have fluoride because it's one of those questions out there that, um, that has a lot of uh, sort of passion behind it and, you know, scientific information proving the other group wrong. So um, where do you stand on it? Well, ever since fluoride had been at, has been added into drinking water, we see that the amount of dental decay decrease. Um, so it's a wonderful free source of fluoride that is a prevention. And like anything else, there's pros and cons to using something as fluoride. 
I describe it to my patients as, you know, the fluoride acts as a poison for the bacteria, not a poison for us. Um, and then I always give the example of there's cyanide and almond, but the amount is so minute that we still love our almonds. So you right. have to get the sources. You have to get your facts right. And then it has to resonate with what you believe in and what you want to do for your child. I have many patients that um, their parents refuse to have fluoride, you know, through their water source, through um, fluoride treatments in the office, through fluoride rinses and toothpaste. Um, some parents can get away with it because they're so vigilant on the other parts. Their, their hygiene is great. They're watching what their kids are eating. But there are many families that refused fluoride in their child's mouth and body overall that the risk for cavities increases and they start having cavities. And at that point, I present the option to the parents. Um, you know, it's different when you start seeing cavities in your own kids, knowing that something such as fluoride can help prevent them. And I always, I feel my job as a pediatric dentist is to arm their the parents with the facts and let them decide what they're comfortable with. Can you check for the bacteria in the mouth and see if it would be necessary? Because then the fluoride would become less um, important if you didn't have that bacteria, correct? Yes, you can have, um, you can go to your dentist if they, it's a kit, they swab your cheeks and then they grow it and see how much bacteria you have. I've never heard of that. This is awesome, parents. Won't yes. that be awesome? Your children could have no cavities but stained teeth like my son. <laughs> Even if they don't have the bacteria, you want, for social reasons, to have nice smelling breath and nice right. clean teeth. So there's more than that one reason. What about gum disease? Now, could, if you don't have the bacteria, could you get gum disease? You can. It's a different bacteria ca causing that gum disease, and there's lots of bacteria. But I was just telling a teenager today that, you know, I learned in dental school that you did not have or you do not need to have a cavity in a tooth to lose it. So if you think of a tooth, it needs to be supported by bone and healthy gum tissue. When the bacteria gets into the uh, gingiva, you call that gingivitis, and we've all heard of that kind of red gums or right. when you brush it bleeds. The worst part about that gingivitis for us is that it doesn't hurt. So patients have gingivitis often and they don't care because it doesn't hurt them. After years of having gingivitis, it goes into periodontitis. It starts going into the bone. And your bone, your body's really smart. When there's bacteria there, your bone starts to kind of run away from that bacteria. So it starts to decrease in mass, okay? So mm -hmm. you have that bacteria in your gums. It's present where you can see it, the bone starts to sense there's bacteria, it starts to resorb and grow, grow shorter. Um, and at some point, there's, no, and there's not enough support for your teeth. So they start getting mobile. And you hear about probably 50s, 60s, when patients start to feel that mobility, and then you start, you know, you start losing your teeth. And so if you can think of a tree needing the support of soil 
you know, it's nice and strong, and if you took a shovelful every day, it would take quite a while before you'd lose that support and the tree just falls over. So the same scenario. Your teeth need to be healthy along with the supporting structures. Okay, now can babies get gum disease? They do, but the nice thing about babies or kids is the fact that they, they haven't had that bacteria for long. And if you have gum disease, the gingivitis, it's reversible. Two weeks, it's gone. Once you get into the periodontitis is when you have the, the pockets. You know, your gums go more than two to three millimeters, and um, you can't get to the bottom of that pocket. So the bacteria gets hidden, and you can't access it. And that's where adults start getting gum disease and gum surgery to reduce the pockets. So interesting. Now, um, when you see the parents for the first time, do you have them bring the child, given that it's really just about educating the parents? Absolutely. It's educating the parents and having the kids comfortable. We talk about developing a dental home for the patients. So we want the child to meet us, get comfortable with our fingers in their mouth, our instruments in their mouth, sitting in the chair, and just knowing what the office is about. It's difficult. If if you think of a family that has an infant or a toddler and they've never been to the dentist, you think about, you know, when they're a year old, they're kind of running around and they fall and they bump their, their mouth or their teeth and there's a mouthful of blood, the last thing you want to be doing is looking through the phone book to look to find a dentist. Right. Um, you, want to be, you want to know what to do. You want to know where to go while your child is having this trauma. So there's something else that keeps coming to my mind while you're talking about this, One, you know, in the, especially with autism. Um, but I'm sure this is true of most challenges, and any child who's extremely defensive or, you know, protective of, of themselves, they don't have to have a diagnosable condition, but if, or very, very shy or whatever. If you, um, if you started when they were little, maybe some of the stories that, that we hear about the, tra- you know, the tragedies, really, or the real extreme traumas that the kids go through at the dentist would be completely eradicated. A lot of the time, and I'm going to ask you if you've ever had a similar um, experience or exposure to a client that's had a, a trauma in a dental chair, because I know a lot of the time the kids that are autistic, they have like a sensory integration issue, they're very defensive, and nobody's taken them to the dentist, and at first they were just little, you never thought of it, and then onsets the behaviors, and now you're afraid to take them to get their hair cut, to go to the dentist, all this, and then finally you're in a place where you have no choice and you have to do it. and I think that by starting, I never would have thought of this, actually, but by starting when they're babies, maybe it wouldn't have mattered whether they were diagnosable or not. They'd already be comfortable with you. At the very least, you'd know how to work with them. Just a thought. I would love your opinion on that. And then also, have you ever had to deal with um, somebody coming to the dentist that's had a really tough time that way? We have. So what I find really helpful for my autism spectrum kids is the fact that they love routine. They are very successful in the routine world. So I always recommend to parents that if we can fit that routine of brushing and flossing into their daily life, the kids like that routine. They expect it. They, they 
they crave it. So if they want to do, you know, if they're asking us for that toothbrush and floss, it's one less fight we have with them. Um, if they're older and they've never been to the dentist, it's like introducing anything else. We have them come to the office with something they're comfortable with. A lot of my patients like um, some vib vibration or a toy or, you know, a sensory that they're familiar with. If the patients um, are familiar or, or crave that vibration, we always talk about or recommend the electric toothbrush. They can, they can hold on to it. They can put it on their belly, wherever they like, on their face, and just get used to that vibration and like it. Then in the office, we can, you know, start with what they've done at home, just holding that electric toothbrush and then little by little introducing it into the mouth. And we find lots of success with that. For the patients that need extensive dental care and can't sit still in the traditional dental office, we do have the option of bringing them into the operating room. It's just going through with a anesthesiologist, they are put to sleep like any other surgery, and they get their full mouth reconstructed, getting the cavities done, x-rays, um, space maintainers if needed, but it's usually two, three hours, and it's, ex it's extensive. That is our last resort. We wow. use that for patients who just hadn't had the luxury or the experience of in the dental chair, and now it's too late. We don't have the time to introduce the dental care. Okay. All right. And then in your office, do you use, what do you use to help? Do you use numbing? Do you use nitric oxide? Like, what do you use? In the office, we have nitrous, but for the kids that are have special needs, it's difficult for them to have that plastic rubber nose on their face because of sensory, because of um, claustrophobic, you know, they don't like that closed sensation. So that rarely works. We have it as an option for the kids that want it. So I like stories so that people can imagine it, so I'm going to use my kids. Um, so I'm from, you know, way back when they didn't have a lot of the gadgets they do now. And one of the dentists I went to was just wonderful with my son. He would use you know, laughing gas. Um, and my son would be fine with that, whereas my other son didn't want it at all. And he wouldn't even let you numb his mouth and, in fact, had to have six teeth pulled and did them with no, I mean, I couldn't even begin to imagine it. But that was preferable to him to a needle. So it, what I found as a parent was the flexible dentist that would sit and problem solve and help us figure it out. What works for one isn't necessarily what works for another, especially since, um, you know, what we're calling laughing gas is nitric oxide, right? Yes. I'm right, aren't I? Yes, you are. You're always Okay, right. good, good, good. I don't want to be misinforming anybody. Anyways, um, it has some complications with autism for some of the clients, not all. So um, do you have a variety of approaches you use? Do you use a weighted blanket for the kids? Anything special? Well, I always listen to the parents. I always ask them how I can help their, their child. And like in your profession, in your specialty, um, parents know their own kids best. So I always ask for that. And I have found autistic kids, special needs kids, often have a very high pain threshold. So where the typical kid you know, needs Novocaine for a little shallow cavity, 
the kids on the spectrum, they're usually like close to the nerve and they're fine. Their ability to tolerate the pain is just so incredible. Okay, so we're going to come back from break and on the question of how has the pressure of having to have kids with perfect teeth affected you as a mom because you're a dentist. You're listening to a new spin on Autism Answers. I'm the Brain Broad, otherwise known as Lynette Louise, your story teacher host. We're talking with Dr. Lucy or, or Lucy Lucigliano. She's a wonderful dentist, wonderful friend, has a great, awesome family, so you should listen up. Stay to the end of this show because we're going to have stories from the road. Where I'm going to tell you a little story and put it all together. And just before that, of course, okay, 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 it's the great guest giveaway. All right, we are back with Lucy Lucigliano, which the kids call Dr. Lucy. And hi, so here you are, a dentist. You're a pediatric dentist, so therefore children are supposed to have good teeth, and you have six kids, and one of them's challenged. Have you felt the pressure? The pressure yes. of being the parent of six kids? Well, the pressure of going, wow, my, te- my kids' teeth better always look really good. Um, I treat my kids like one of my patients. Um, I, I do follow my own recommendation that, you brush your kids' teeth until they're about eight years old, and about ten years old, when they have their manual dexterity, they can start flossing. But soon as my kids' teeth uh, were in the mouth, we were brushing with the toothbrush, not starting with the toothpaste until they were old enough to spit. As soon as their teeth were touching, we were flossing. We were doing all of that at home. Every night, my husband and I would brush their teeth. Nowadays, it's mostly my husband. Um, we do. We also had preventive and intervention in terms of orthodontic care, kind of what we all know as braces. We did that on the kids when they were younger, so that prevented a lot. That prevented a lot of crowding mm-hmm. and uh, orthodontic problems down the road. So. I am following. I am one of those few, okay. maybe. Yes, yes, yes. I'll, I'll, I'll attest to it. She, she walks her talk. I'll attest to it. But I'm going to, okay, so here's a story. Um, I remember coming back. So here I am. I'm working all over the world, you know, internationally, working with different families. And I don't know, this was like three years ago. And um, I come back, and my grandson, I let him stay here. And they'd been, you know, doing things they should not have been doing. <laughs> And I'm finding evidence all over my house. And I'm like, well, number one, you didn't even hide it from me. Number two, you will kill my career. What are you thinking? And in that moment, I remember seeing in front of me this, you know, I can either go over here and fall apart and go, how dare you put my career at risk? Or I can remember that the reason I do this is to help kids in the first place and just, you know, kind of go down the right path with them until they learned what they needed to learn. And I'm not going to say what they were doing because I probably end up, (laughs) it was illegal. And um, the point being, there's moments, you know, there's this, this moments in your life where the work you do can challenge you as a parent because you have to get out there and, you know, walk your talk, but also, you know, walk your talk in the challenging moments. So I was wondering if you had any, any difficulties there, like when you were working with your daughter and she was, it was harder for her to get the manual dexterity, were there just times where you just want to go, ah, well, for my daughter, I did use the fact that she likes routine. 
So we just put that in as her routine. She brushes in the morning. She brushes before she goes to bed. The flossing part, because she has difficulty with fine motor skills, we are still flossing for her. We allow her to start um, by looking in the mirror. She could do the front teeth. But the back teeth, I still have not let go of that. And she's 14 years old. And I just don't want to um, kind of leave that up to chance as far as cavities are concerned. She, she also has um, low tone in her mouth. So where you and I would eat and kind of use our tongue to clean out the, the extra food um, in our, the crevices of our teeth, she, she just doesn't do it. At the end of the night, her gums are um, a little wetter than the other kids, and there's leftover food in there. So given all that, that, we, that we know about her, we still go in and help her floss. And right, I do so. use, she uses an electric toothbrush to help her. Okay, so you just basically stay on top of it so it doesn't fall apart in the first place. Right, but if you do fall apart, I mean, there are days when, you know, she's not up for it, we're not fight up for it, and we're just not up for the fight. And I know that if you miss a day, maybe even two, that a cavity is not going to surface. So know that. Okay, that's awesome. I guess that's what, kind of what I wanted to hear echo out. Oh, you know, just a little bit of it's okay to be human, folks. It is. I, you know, I remember in, when I was a resident um, in my program in Iowa, you know, and being, being a resident and trying to follow all the rules to the T, I did have one of my um, professors say to us, never assume that your family's with a special needs child has that extra two minutes that you're asking them to do with brushing and flossing. They're just spent at the end of the night. So you can make that recommendation with, with the fact that, you know, there are some nights that they're just not up for brushing and flossing. They could barely stand up. Right, right. You know, what? it's really interesting because I think you've also cleared up. Um, so when we were kids, now way back when I was a kid because I'm friggin' old, um, we didn't have, there was no such thing as flossing. I mean, nobody even heard of it. And I remember stuff would get stuck in my mom's teeth and she'd get pieces of thread and everyone thought she was crazy. And she was like essentially flossing her teeth with pieces of thread, which was pretty cool. Um, but the dentist was pretty rough, you know, great big fat hands in our little wee mouths. And it was, you know, the needles looked like you know, they were as big as a house. And um, it was a, a different time. All of my siblings, and myself included, had black first teeth. And the trend then was just to pull them. So they didn't, they, they, I know, don't laugh yet. <laughs> so they didn't know why we had these black studs for teeth. Does that sound like something you've seen before, or do you think maybe it had to do with that bacteria you were talking about? Um, I, I'm not really sure what you refer to as black teeth. It, was it cavities or stains? No, black. Like we had little, myself less than my brother, I had black front teeth. My brother's whole mouth, they were like little black stubs, almost looked like when you get a, a crown made, you know how they stubble down your tooth? Only right. black. And they looked like that, and they would just pull them out and wait for our grown-up teeth. Okay, so that, those are cavities. I guess. I mean, I've just not seen it much on any other family, so I don't know what we would call it. Because it wasn't like, it was all around the outside more than it was like on the end of a tooth or on a spot on a tooth. They were completely just black all the way around. They could be cavities that have been stained or if the, 
entire tooth was there um, and it was black. We do see some kids that have healthy teeth, but they have black staining. Um, but it sounds like you're describing if it's like an apple core. Yeah, uh, more like an apple core eaten away. So probably a yeah, type of all around cavity. the outside of the tooth cavity. Yes, all the surfaces are starting to eat a, be eaten away um, by the plaque and the acid. So it used to, there's a couple of myths that I want to discuss. Um, it used to be they're baby teeth, so let's not fix them. Um, and that's not true. Baby teeth are really important. They allow us to eat, speak, and the baby teeth save the room for the adult teeth to grow in. Okay? And the baby teeth in the front, we need those until they're we're about six and a half, seven years old. But the back molars, we need those until we're about 11 or 12 years old. And most parents don't know that. You kind of assume they're baby teeth, they're gone by six, and you get a whole new set. But if you look in any nine, ten-year-old mouth, there's still probably ten to twelve baby teeth left. Okay, so most people don't realize that. The belief in the generation before ours was that, you know, as you got older, you lost your teeth. The reality is teeth should outlast us with proper Hygiene, that means flossing for the gum care and visiting your dentist regularly, your teeth should outlast you. Really? So that's a whole different way of thinking, actually. Now, you think about our grandparents. They all had, you know, teeth missing. They had dentures. It was just kind of accepted. As you got older, you lost your teeth. It doesn't have to be that way. Wow, very cool. All right, you know, we're out of time. This has been really useful and so informative. Okay, we got to go because I still have to do a couple of other things. Lucy, thank you so much for being here. Do you have one particular thing that you would like to say out there to really, I mean, you've just given us so much already, but anything in particular you want to share or you want to direct people to a website of yours or have them come to your office? Tell us about you. I think the most important thing to remember when you're looking for a practitioner, whether a dentist or a physician or a therapist, is to find that mutual trust. Um, Once you feel comfortable, then you can let your guard down and openly accept the recommendations. So I think that's the most important part. If you don't feel that trust going both ways, then it's time to move on and find another practitioner. Yeah, I agree. And if people do happen to be in your area and want to check you out, how would they do that? Um, we, our phone number is 860-423-KIDS, and we're in Connecticut. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. And give all your kids a hug for me, okay? Great. Thanks, Lynette. Bye-bye. Well, that was Dr. Siglione. Dr. Lucy, um, wonderful lady, and lots of good information for today's show. Hi, Michael. Michael. Hi, how I'm, you doing? I'm good. I just... It was your birthday. We finally got together. Uh, how, uh, how old? Well, you, you sound like you're about 22 years old. Oh, well, then I'll just have to meet everybody voice first. No, I'm 56. I've got, like, oh, grandkids my, oh, my, and all kinds of things. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, well, you sound like you're 22, and I bet you look like you're 22. Well, there you go, just assuming that you know. One sensory system bleeding into the other sensory system. So, Michael, we're actually already taping, 
So um, I'll edit out anything that, that you want edited out. But what were you wanting to talk about? Well, whatever you, whatever you want to talk about. Uh, uh, what I, I am is a singer, so since it's your birthday, I'm going to do this for you, I promised. No, not yet. We're going to let you close with that. Wait, 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 wait. Michael, no, no. <laughs> You're going to sing at the end, okay? We're going, to let, uh, okay? we're going to make them wait for your beautiful voice. How's that? I, I, pre- I love you saying beautiful voice. So. Okay, so they're going to have to wait for it. Here's what's going on on today's show. We've been talking to a dentist about the various techniques and things for people to know. And it was a pretty informational kind of show. And the reason that you got you know, on the show is because you're trying to, you are for sure doing a, a show on the Autism Channel or not? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to. I've, I've been written up in the paper. I've been, uh, okay. if, if I'm in show business, I hope uh, uh, I'm not 95 before they finally tape the damn show, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, you know, that's just how it goes. It's a brand new network, and there's so many bugs for them. to. I think they're handling it really well and doing a very professional job. And that's one of the reasons I'm excited to be part of them. And I wanted to sort of give interviews to different people that are going to have shows on there just to sort of cross-promote, but also give everybody uh, a chance to, you know, whet our appetite on what the show would be. That, and then I'm going to, since you are on the spectrum, I'm going to ask you about the dentist. So those are my two things. So let's start with who you are and what your show is going to be on the Autism Channel. Well, my name is uh, Michael Garvin. Uh, I was... Uh, I, I, was, I have Asperger syndrome, and they didn't discover Asperger in the United States until 1990, as you know, because it was in a communist country. Uh, everybody thought I was a psychomaniac killer or something like that, the way they looked at me. And uh, uh, then they said, oh, you have autism, um, but I'm the most harmless guy there ever was. And uh, uh, what, what happened was uh, I, uh, I wrote a book called The ABCs of Autism, you know, I didn't have anything better to do, so I swung a chain around, which became my best friend, and uh, and I thought of every weapon for for a letter. Then I uh, accomplished uh, evaluating each letter to a part of life. So if you name a letter, I can name a weapon, and then I could tell you what part of life it is. Q. So, I'm sorry. Q. 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 Quills. Q. Quills. Quills are part of plants. Plants are part of the environment. So we all live in an environment. We have to adapt to an environment. I told you I'm crazy. No, no, this is awesome. I love your system. Categorizing is really a great way to help people to um, organize themselves in the world, to create brain change. When kids don't have any categorizing, they create their own. So good for you. Okay, R. Our rifle. Rifle is a a sport. We all need exercise or else we uh, gain about 400 pounds. And and so uh, our is our exercise system. We all want to look good. At at my age, I better look like I'm 26 or something like that. Oh, my gosh. We've got to tell the the pro-gun people that it's all about exercise. I don't think they realize that. They're completely confused. Okay, B. Give me the letter B. B B is for bomb. Bomb is uh, uh, is is something that uh, they did in Germany in the 1940s to bomb everybody's house. And so uh, B is where you live, and everybody has to have a residence, whether you're homeless or not. Uh, if you're homeless, then you live out in the street. But if you're uh, a regular person, then you live in a house. So it's our shelter. This is awesome. Okay, I'm going to do three more. Z. 
the Zodiac, uh, I, I thought of Zodiac Crusher. Zodiac Crusher is, uh, is also a part of religion, so everybody has a belief in something. So after we die, we want to believe we're going someplace else. Hopefully I won't go to autistic hell with my nephews. So, uh, uh, so uh, Z is our belief in our religious system. I told okay, you I'm crazy. Two, no, this is awesome. Two more, L. L is laser. Uh, laser, uh, laser. We always, always have laser shows, uh, and we all have a sense of humor. I know as an autistic person, I'd better have a sense of humor, or else I wind up in an institution or killing somebody. So L is our entertainment, or, 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 or our laughter system, or, or our sense of humor. So That's L awesome. Is, okay, the last one, W. W is, is whip. Uh, Inside of a ranch house, you always see a whip uh, on the on the wall, and every and ranchers don't have anything better to do other than than shoot each other in a shootout, or they play poker. Then they have a shootout uh, because they call they'll call them a cheater. So W is our gambling. All of us have to gamble in our lifetime to accomplish something. Like I'm gambling, talking to you, and hopefully I don't make a fool out of myself. So W is for our gambling system. That is really wonderful. Now, how did you get started using the alphabet to help yourself? Basically, what you did was you taught yourself how to categorize and generalize and operate in the world with this. So what started it? Well, what started it, it, it was uh, nobody wanted to talk to me or, or play with me or something. Uh, uh, they looked at me and they thought I would try to kill them or something like that when I was younger and when I was a kid. And so uh, uh, they said there's something wrong. I made I couldn't make eye contact. And when I did make eye contact, I, like my cousin said, I looked like a psycho killer or something. I'm a lot better now. I'm cute now. So uh, it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> going on six. So, uh, but uh, I, I found a chain, like a dog chain. I'm rattling it now. That's the sound you hear. And, uh, and somehow that uh, I didn't have anything better to do. So I thought of letters of the alphabet inside my, my mind to make up stories that pass the time. And then somehow I equated each uh, each category, like Q is grass, it looks like grass, so that's, that's our environment. So uh, that's how I came up with my concept. And I wrote a book called The ABCs of Autism, uh, which is on uh, eBay, or not on eBay, but in Barnes & Noble or on that Amazon.com. And uh, w one book looks like uh, it's written by an autistic person because you can't even read it, and the other one is, is a good one. That's a $20 one. I, you know, so uh, that's on there. Whoever wants to buy it, if you sell it, I'll make you my my, my book agent. And uh, well, even better uh, than that, you know what you do is you whet their appetite. And I have a section on the show called the Okay, Okay, Okay. This is the great guest giveaway, and that uh, would mean that you should give away one book. You, are you willing to give away one book if somebody actually writes in and asks for it? Yeah, if I, I if I could figure it out, I'll give away all my books. I don't know, you know, I'll. I'll <laughs> I'll do that. But, uh, well, All right, I, so I'll tell you I, what. I if, if somebody writes in and asks for it, I'll help you figure it out. Is that a deal? That sounds good. Anything, I'll, if, I, if, I, if, I, if, if I make a million dollars, I'll definitely buy you the best McDonald's you ever had. <laughs> <laughs> can, can, no, we go to, can we go to Chipotle? At least it's organic. I'll, 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 do, chip, I'll do Chipotle organic food. <laughs> okay. no, I'll, I'll get you anything you want to. If I get. All right, so tell me what your show going to be about. 
Well, the show is I, I equate uh, everything of my life. It's like, uh, you know, all the, you know, everybody thinks it's funny. I just said what my, what my mother said. When I went to Los Angeles one time, I would talk about, like, my mother. And I, and I, and I said, uh, Mom, I'm going to Los Angeles. And she, and she did everything she could to get me there. You know, here's money, you know. Then I said, Mom, you want me to come for a vacation? She said, no, why? If you need money, I'll send you $600 to keep you there. And everybody thought that was the funniest thing in the world. I just had to tell what everybody said. Then uh, the funny part is I talked to my mother. She, uh, she, uh, she passed away, but I talked to her spirit. And I said, Mom, do you want me to join you? And I always hear the answer. Uh, uh, he said, no. Said, no, that's why it's heaven, because I'm up here and you're down there. You stay down there. I'll see you in 30 years. And uh, that's something my mother would say, and I feel it. And, uh, or it's about different aspects of my crazy father or my, my cousin or, or just parts of, uh, of the family and, and how us autistic people function in the world. So each show, they made me write 20 scripts. Now I've yet to, to do one show yet. So I'm hoping uh, before I'm 96 and, and they do it in a nursing home that I, I'm able to do it. Well, you know what, even if you end up doing it in a nursing home, us old folks need activities too, so it's okay. It takes time. They've started something brand new and, um, of course, come up against all kinds of problems and solve them beautifully. I've had the same situation. I'm doing my own editing and production, and, um, you know, we've had computer issues and we've had, you know, money issues and all kinds of stuff, but we keep on getting through it and making something really wonderful happen. And I think that it'll come around to your turn, too, if you've already written all the scripts. It sounds fun. I mean, you're delightful and fun. Tell me something. Did you ever go to the dentist? Do you have all your teeth? Talk to me about the dentist. That's kind of our theme of the day. Well, the, well, the dentist is a, uh, you know, it's a... Uh, Do you have a letter for it? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but, uh, we knew. So seriously, do you have a de- like a drill, like something, you know, like dentists have needles and drills and sort of weaponry in a sense. Do you have a letter that would match the dentist that helped you? I do, I do. I do. What is it? Uh, you could keep on going. <laughs> okay. All right. So when you went to the dentist, um, at, did you go as a child? Okay. I'll do that. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to follow my conversation now, Michael. When you went to the dentist as a child, did your parents take you as a child? Uh, no, they just uh, said, Michael, let me there, and, uh, and we'll, we'll see you in a, in a couple days. So that's the way he did it. So They just left you with the dentist for a couple of days? Yeah, just to get away from me. <laughs> then they finally No, that's not how it went. Okay, let, I want you to walk backwards with me in your mind, okay? You ready? Close your eyes. Stay with me on the phone. All right, we're going to go backwards. How old are you? You're eight. Do you remember when you were eight? Well, uh, yeah, I remember when I was eight years old. and uh, Okay. And, and I, I remember that, and, uh, and I couldn't even talk. They thought I was going into... Uh, uh, some kind of other school or something, you know. Uh, and okay. the next thing I know is uh, is that nobody could figure out how I could get all A's and B's uh, on my on, on my on all my uh, tests and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, okay, okay. Uh, but we're doing the dentist. I mean, I had that story too. But we're gonna we're gonna try and focus our minds on a particular aspect. All right. Tell yeah. me something. Do you have all your teeth? Oh yeah, now I do. Okay, eight. so you have all your teeth. Have you ever had a 
had a filling put in any of your teeth? Oh, a lot of them. I, uh, you know, okay. I, okay, so when you were getting a filling, what age would you have been? When I got the, the fillings, it was just a couple, uh, a couple months ago. I was finally, uh, my teeth break and everything like that, and they, I, I went to, I finally found somebody at a school, and they actually were able to fix it, and, and finally, uh, my broken teeth, they, they're actually fixed teeth, so That's awesome. Good. That's awesome. So did you never go to the dentist when you were a child? Well, I always went to the dentist. Uh, that was the time before. I, I must have had like uh, about 50, 60 uh, cavities, and then I would, I would go. I have every type of, of uh, filling there ever was, uh, like uh, gold filling, silver filling, uh, electric filling, anything that you want. And, and, and my, my, mouth is, uh, my mouth looks actually normal now. So. Oh, that's really cool. That's very exciting. And it was were the front teeth broken before you got it fixed? Uh, nope. It, it it looks good. Everything okay. is. Okay. You know. All right. Okay. Focus with me. When you went to the dentist and yeah. you got all this stuff fixed, did you did they use needles to make it not hurt? Did they put you asleep? Did they? not, you know, give you gas to breathe so you were happy. What did they do to help you be comfortable while you were getting the work done? Well, the, uh, uh, they put some uh, the shots in there so it, uh, I couldn't feel anything, and, uh, and everybody t- told me how cute I looked, and, uh, which was good. I even sang the song afterwards, and, uh, and then they, uh, they, they fixed my teeth, so it, it, it looked like uh, I wasn't... Uh, uh, a hobo uh, autistic person, so they really did a good job, and they worked That's on awesome. it, and they, they got everything done for me. That's so. really, really awesome. So you must look very handsome now. That's really awesome. Oh, I, so I, love, I love you. I love you already. <laughs> <laughs> okay, after, after they were finished doing the work, remember how it felt all numb in your face? Yeah. Right? When the numb part went away, were you okay? Were you comfortable? Did you have a period afterwards where you felt more autistic? Anything like that happen, or were you fine? No, I was. Uh, I was fine. I just, uh, you know, I, I never, uh, I never thought I was autistic. Uh, you know, it's sort of like uh, what made me feel I was autistic was that uh, I'm, I'm going around in the world, and uh, you know, everybody else is uh, something wrong with them, but here I am. I'm okay. And then uh, I became a singer down at Macaroni Grill. And I sang, and everybody thought my autism was a comedy part of my act. And then I got around to uh, then, uh, to uh, singing and uh, and telling jokes and everything like that. And uh, uh, finally, when the economy went bad, they had to get rid of me or the chef, and uh, they decided to get rid of the, sh- the rid of me for some reason instead of the chef. You know, I, I used to do a good thing. I, I stopped the managers from firing me because I, I would give everybody candy, and I figured the, if, the mouth, if the boss's mouth was filled with candy, they couldn't fire me because they couldn't talk. So, <laughs> Yeah, and then they have to go to the dentist. That's what, <laughs> yeah, that's you the, know why yeah, they I'll fired you. In, you know why they fired you instead of the chef, right? You know why, yeah, they, right? Yeah, because they, uh, they, they tried to get rid of me, finally. <laughs> no, <laughs> because... No, Michael, it's because it's a restaurant. You can't have a restaurant without a chef. 
You I can't have all the people. I, I remember I, I would sing, and, uh, you know, uh, the, then people would stay, sing another song, sing another song. I would sing about 30, and my ex-bosses, used, what they used to do was uh, call me, hey, hey, there's a family emergency just to get away, me away from the table. Michael, get away from that table. Let's have a call. We've we got 50 people in line. So, uh, so my Because voice, that's how they make their money, Michael. They have, they have to sell the food. They have, so even if you're keeping the people there and they're having a great time, the restaurant's not making any money unless they have a chef and they're selling food, right? I know, I, I know all about it, but <laughs> I'm, I, there, but I had a lot of fun there, and, uh, you know, I, I, I actually enjoyed people. My, uh, in one of my, my chapters, my cousin Jeffrey said, whatever you do, do the opposite of your instincts, don't touch the girls, don't, uh, uh, don't be talking to anybody, just, uh, just act like a normal person, and I did, and I kept the job for about six years, so... You know, That's pretty awesome. Well, let's see if we can let's see if we can generate a new job for you. I'm going to get you to sing me happy birthday, um, and then after that, we'll just remind them that there's a great guest giveaway of your book, and then we'll be done. You've been wonderful. Thank you for for having this chat with me. Okay, so okay. I want to hear my I want to hear my song. You'll be I'll sing anything you want to. If you make me rich, uh, you'll, you'll get anything you want. <laughs> you got to make yourself rich, but I'll certainly try and get people to listen to you. <laughs> Come on, well, sing for me, baby. Tante gore Tante gore Tante gore I hope I'm singing on pitch because I want you to make me rich. <laughs> Fantastic. You have an amazing voice. That was so fantastic. Okay, everybody. This is Michael Garvin. He's got the ABCs of autism. And if you give me an email at mom, M-O-M, mom or dad, mom, number four, evermore, mom forevermore, at Juno, J-U-N-O dot com. And you put in the subject line, uh, ABCs of autism, first person to send me that we'll make sure you get a free book michael thank you so much for being part of things i hope your show works out on the autism channel and maybe we can do this another time you were a lot of fun well uh, i appreciate it i think i'm in love with you now for what you said about me <laughs> well you know love's cheap it comes and goes <laughs> seriously i think you've been a, you've been wonderful and thank you so much for being here all right it's time for stories from the road you've now got a kind of a full picture of the dental problems that uh, <laughs> the problem for the dentist in trying to help somebody is that you know maybe they won't focus or have the money or be comfortable and there's many different ways to help someone the reason I keep bringing up the nitric oxide um, versus the numbing versus the putting somebody out is because there's different issues for different people um, for example just to give you a sense of you know again how this is all about who you're dealing with. Um, there's been, uh, you can look this up on PubMed actually, you know, just Google nitric oxide and autism or I'll put a link to the show. Because if you check, you'll find that some children, they've done studies on this, and it turns out that some kids that have autism have high nitric oxide levels in their plasma. 
Now they th- they have reasons that they think it you know they think it's related to gamma IFN gamma activity. It really doesn't matter. The point is it's not all children with autism. It's some children with autism. And I worked with a little girl, so you know she's a marvelous little girl. Loves to throw things, and so we'd throw things into all kinds of you know makeshift uh, you know garbages and baskets and bowls and up high and down low. And you know we learned various words using throwing, and we learned how to count using and math, and and did neurofeedback. And she was just really wonderful, and she was doing really really well. A, a very exciting girl actually, because she would go out in the garden and handpick all the things that are actual natural cleansers for the body. So she'd go out in the garden and eat onion after onion and all this, this garlic. And she was just amazing at taking care of herself. And she was one of the kids with the high levels of nitric oxide. So when she went to the dentist and they gave her some nitric oxide, otherwise known as laughing gas, um, she had a really, really, really big reaction to this. And she got you know, regressed terribly, started wetting herself, started, you know, uh, defecating on herself. And she hadn't been doing that in a long, 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 long time. And at this point, she's like 13. And it's, you know, it's a bigger deal than it was when she was little. So, you know, it took time to cleanse that out of her system, to get her back where she had been, quite a bit of time, almost a year. And so when you're already dealing with issues, it is a bit scary to think, how am I going to now move forward and take care of the mouse? And how am I going to, you know, which, which of these do I do? Do I do nitric oxide? Do I do numbing? Do I, you know, do I put the child under? I have another story where I have a child that was put under that I work with, and uh, they thought, well, we'll just do all the work at one time. Now, many of the kids I work with, that's the choice the family has made. And it's worked out fine, but in this particular child's case, um, there was a complication very similar to what happened with the little girl I was just telling you about. Only in his case, he lost language. So, um, you know, when you're raising an autistic child, it's a minefield. And yet, you can't leave your child with no dental care at all if they desperately need it. So I think that where we're at on this is really about as much preventative care as you can do. Just really try. I loved what Dr. Lucy said when she mentioned that, you know, the parents brush the teeth till the kids are eight. She even does that for the neurotypical kids where they check the flossing and everything to an older age. So really think about prevention because it is a bit iffy once you need work done. And then remember, everyone, don't judge each other because it's so individualized. I'm going to close on the story of the boy. His name is Patrick. So I went in to meet this family, and, you know, they're a lovely family, just one child, mom and a dad. We had to work with a translator. They didn't understand a word I said. It was really challenging, not just because of the translator, but because in this home, this one child was so challenged that he was not able to stop moving. I've truly never seen this since um, or before. I spent six hours. I spend eight hours a day in a home. So I spent six hours with this child moving, nonstop movement, nonstop, not even a minute to sit down and go, phew, okay, back at it. 
nonstop. The most, or the closest we came to not moving was sort of rocking back and forth on our legs together. And the whole time I was trying to convince him that if he could just let me put a sensor on his head and do some neurofeedback, I'd be able to help him relax enough to lay down and have a much-needed sleep. So they live like this. They were sort of sequestered into this teeny little house. It was a unique situation. You walk into a, a, it looks like a storefront. You open a gate. You go inside the gate. You go down this long alleyway, and there's a hidden house. So it's super safe, um, super, you know, cool and different. Um, and And they just live waiting for this child to just basically fall from exhaustion for a minute or two and then get up and start moving again. And they tried so many things. I'd like to say this was a, you know, a success story, but in fact, I did, after six hours, get the sensor on him and did get him asleep. And he rested, he slept for about two hours, and I finished up my day, and I did day, you know, several days there. And we did get him to where he would do neurofeedback for me, but the family wasn't able to continue. They weren't able to get him to do for them what I was able to get him get him to do. And that was really because most people won't move nonstop for six hours. All right. The reason I bring this child up is because I think that taking him to the dentist is pretty low on the list of priorities. So when you read so-and-so did it this way or so-and-so did it that way or a miracle story here or, you know, well, you know, the rules of society are you have to go to the dentist, or the rules of society are you have to have them toilet trained by a certain age, or the rules, please, take a minute to remember this. Every single one of us is different. And when it comes to um, looking scientifically, after a while with enough studies, we prove that. So in some kids with autism, Nitric oxide is a bad idea. In some kids with autism, getting to the dentist happens when you're old, and then they fix all your teeth and you no longer look like a homeless autistic dude. Please, people, today's answer to the question of when do you start taking your child to the dentist is when you can. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host. This is a new spin on autism, Answers. Thank you for being with me. Otherwise, I'd just be talking to myself. Thank you for joining the show today. Lynette is the author of the refreshingly honest and at times hilarious new book, Miracles Are Made, A Real-Life Guide to Autism. You can purchase this and other materials by looking on the webtalkradio.net website and clicking on the covers. You can also click through to her Facebook page and check out any show you may have missed by looking in the archives. We'll see you soon for another edition of a new spin on autism. Answers. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. I can't hear.